it's over now. There's no more purpose for my lungs because I'm not breathing. If I thought that I was still alive, then I think I was dreaming. I just left the earth. My soul escaped my body now. I'm dead. And I'm rising into the heavens to find out what lies ahead. This life is over. And my time is done on earth. There's no more stressing. I'm about to meet the one that gave me all my life and blessings. Now it's time to hear his voice. And it's time to feel his embrace. And it's that time to meet my God. And now it's time to see his face. I'm at the gate. And I don't want to wait. I want to see my savior. I'm going to feel his presence. Have his safety and base in his favor. Wait, they open up the gates and sunlight dances through the entrance. If I was alive, I'd pass out from the beauty of his presence. I can sense him all around me. I can feel him every place. He's here. I feel it, but that's not enough. I want to see his face. They close the gate as I walk in. Now any memories are useless. Any earthly love is worthless because no other can produce this. So much color, so much light. Life and wind and sun and love and music, so much happiness. God loves us and this paradise can prove it. Oh, where's he at though? I just want to see his face. I'll be around it. And I'm walking on the streets of gold, but I ain't get my crown yet. Wait, I feel something. I turn around and I catch eyes with his. And I've never seen him before, but I still know who it is. Right now, I'm face to face with Jesus, looking God right in the eye. Immediately I bowed, and if I was alive, I would have cried. Now God was always right beside me, but I see him. I can touch him. I'll exhort him. I'm going to praise and magnify him because I love him. And I tell him, you're my king. This happiness cannot be doubled. You're my rock, my life, my ever-present help in times of trouble. And I love you. God, I love you. For eternity, I'll show you. But he looks me in the eye, and then he whispers, do I know you? me. Yeah, you made me. I was in church every service. But he tells me church without applying what you learned is worthless. But I was a choir member. I praised you with poems and acting. But he says he checked the book of life and that my name was absent. And I'm laughing like there must be a mistake. I just won't hear it. Then he says I praised him, but I didn't have him in my spirit. I can't bear it. Little thought I gave you praise wholeheartedly. But then he turns his head away. And then he says, depart from me. I start to scream, but it's too late. Immediately I feel the flame and I'm ashamed. It's me to blame. I could have Stopped all of this pain. Life ended like this for me. This ain't how I wanted to conclude. Uh, that's why in real life it won't be. But don't let this be your future. You may go to church, but man, you gotta live it. Don't be two-faced. Don't be hypocrites, guys. Don't be dogs and ladies. Don't be loose days. We ain't got no time. So right now, drop the games and lift your hands and let them in before it ends. Let's praise them while we have the chance. I have to play that video once a year. Uh, man, uh, I, was, I, I felt so strongly to play that uh, for today. I know we played it at our church before, but um, I just get into this, this, this mode sometimes where I'm just like, 
We have got to get to a different place in Christianity where we have got to recognize it's not just the cross that gets you a ticket to heaven. The cross gives you access to God. And then your relationship with God gives you that access to heaven. Remember this, it's a relationship. Matthew chapter 7 basically says this, where he says, depart from me, I don't know you. Basically, it's basically, what he's saying is very simple. I need to know you. You need to know me. We need to have a relationship with each other. Just because the blood on the cross, it does give you forgiveness, but the forgiveness gives you the access to a relationship. Now it's up to you. What will you do with that relationship? When you see him in heaven, will it be this warm embrace? Or is he going to look at me and or he's going to look at you or me and say, away from me, I don't know you. And it's a humbling thing. So you thought when I played that, you're like, oh, this is so awesome. Yay. And then as soon as that part came up, right? You're like, oh, it's a sad one. <laughs> Reality is, is um, we're in this place nowadays where I just, I want to be able to give truth to people. Our world needs it. Our friends need it. Our family needs it. We need to be real with people. And so I, I knew God wanted me to play that, and uh, I knew that we were starting this new series. Um, it, and, and as we were kind of, as I was kind of just thinking about um, all of this stuff, um, uh, uh, a quote from uh, A.W. Tozer came up, and uh, the quote says this: um, "Boom! The world isn't waiting on a new definition of Christianity; they are waiting on a new demonstration of Christianity." And if you guys don't know, A.W. Tozer lived a long time ago. Um, he uh, was born in 1897, passed away in 1963. And the words that he said are still true to this day. Now some of you guys might be sitting here right now and you're like, I don't understand it. Let me, let me give you guys a little bit uh, of an insight um, to this. See, the one thing about Christianity today is that we literally try to define Christianity in a new way. So how do we do that? Well, there are denominations that, that have literally changed um, their way of seeing different things in the scripture and saying sins aren't actually sins anymore or that sins can be done but it's okay because culture is changing. So what happens is, is the church starts to define Christianity by the culture in which they live. Did you catch that? You can't do that. It's not that Christianity needs a new, or needs a new um, definition. It's that Christianity needs people to actually be Christians. Does that make sense? Yeah. And what does that mean for us? That means we have to live it. And living out Christianity is extremely inconvenient for everybody in the conversation. That's why we titled the new series, Inconvenient. Because we want to share with you in the weeks to come that you are an inconvenience to the world. You are an inconvenience to your family, to your friends, to your co-workers, to anybody that you meet. You are an inconvenience. But just because you're an inconvenience doesn't mean that you're wrong. Are you with me on this one? Because the most inconvenient man in the world, I call Savior. I call Lord. I call him King. And you're like, 
Well, wait a second. What does inconvenient mean? I'm so glad you asked. I defined it like this. This is how uh, we define inconvenient. Inconvenient, okay? It, ooh. Inconvenient, causing trouble, difficulties, or discomfort. That is the best way to describe Jesus. Think about it. Causing trouble. He was a troublemaker. Shoot, it says that in our scriptures. What did he do? He went and he caused trouble, difficulties. You think? There's so many difficulties that A, he had to endure, and B, that he caused. And the last one is, or discomfort. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he brought that to every disciple. Right? Shoot, most of them were, dead, or were killed because of him. Discomfort. But the reality is, is just because somebody is an inconvenience or is inconvenient doesn't mean that they're wrong. Most of the time, inconvenient is basically how you see it. And we have created lifestyles and we have created churches to be convenient for myself and for others. Did that make sense? The problem is, is when you call yourself a Christian, you automatically get to be inconvenienced. And guess what? You're going to inconvenience others. Yeah. Why? Because they don't want to hear it. Let's be, I'm supposed to go tell people that they're living in sin? Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so convenient. Yeah, are you guys with me on this one? We literally have to be those type of people. And what I would like to do is I would like to share a few just accounts through the scriptures in this series of just what inconvenience looks like. Is that okay? That, and that's where we're going to head through is this idea of being inconvenient. Some of you, you're sitting here today and it's an inconvenience. So we're already started a good, on a good page, okay? Some of you were dragged here by your family members or, or however it worked. And you're like, yep, sitting here is an inconvenience. So you're preaching to me, Pastor. Yay. Okay. I just want to get into this so that we understand where we stand. And you need to start making decisions in your life if you need to change it or not. Amen. So we're going to start off, we're going to go to uh, uh, Mark chapter 2. Everybody good with that? Yeah, yeah I guess, you, and Luke chapter 2, Mark that. <laughs> oh, my bad, dude. We're going to Mark chapter 2 as well. All right, uh, Luke chapter 2 says this. And when he returned uh, to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Where was he at? Home. home. Gotta love home. Home is that protection. Home is, is uh, there's so many signs you can put. Home is where you park it. Home is where the heart is. Home is, uh, like, there's tons of, there's, you know, uh, there's just tons of things. But where is Jesus at right now? He's at home. Jesus is going home. He just actually got back um, uh, from doing this, uh, I, I guess the best way you can put it was this speaking tour is what he was on. Uh, through Galilee, and he was on this speaking tour for quite some time. Um, and as he was done on this tour, um, he just wanted to come home. Have you ever been on a vacation? And when you get home, what do you want to do from your vacation? Rest. rest. You need a vacation from your vacation sometimes, right? You just want to rest. And home is that place where you get, you're just comfortable. It's my house. It's my house. Watch what happens here. It says this. It says, uh, he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. 
I don't know about you, but when I come home, I'm not having a party. So imagine this. He's, he's touring Galilee, doing the speaking tour. Some of us would call that work, right? He's at, like, he's, he's at work for a really long time. When he comes home from work, what does he want to do? Rest. That would be our normal answer. Why? Because we have created lifestyles to be convenient, right? So what happens? He wants to come home and rest. And all of a sudden when he gets home, maybe an hour or two, maybe like, you know, maybe it's five hours later, maybe it's the next day. Either way, all of a sudden you have this knock, 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 knock. And he opens the door and it's like this crowd of like 50 to 70 people. Hey, what's up? Can we come in? Most of us, the best way I can describe this is a vacation like I shared. You get home from your vacation, four or five hours later, your neighbors come over because you're the only one in the neighborhood that has a pool and it's 105 outside. But you just got home from vacation. Knock, knock, knock. Hey, do you mind if we come over and hang out? Yes, yes, I do. Go away. You know what the problem is? Is for some reason we think we can turn on and off Christianity. We think that we can only be a Christian when we're at church or when I'm in that godly mood or whatever it is. Right? I'm sorry. That was a really big pop for that. Okay? Like, the reality is you can't turn on and off Christianity. Christianity is either you're a Christian or you're not. And whether I get home from a vacation or not, if God's trying to move, I need to move with him. So guess what this means? If you're at your work and God decides he wants to move, you've got to move. If you're in a restaurant, a supermarket, if you're at the movies, if you're at a concert, if you're sitting in class and God says, I need you to talk with that person, you don't have the right anymore to say no. We have to move when he moves. Otherwise, we have to question, do we really call him king, Lord and savior of our lives? Because I don't know about you, but I've read when kings used to tell people to do things, they did it or they died. Now, luckily, we have a loving savior in God. When you say no, he doesn't strike you down with a lightning bolt. But he's expecting you to be his hands, his feet, and his voice. And when you say no to somebody, or when you say no to a situation, sometimes we miss the blessing that comes with it. And if you didn't know, you might be the answer to somebody else's prayer. Does that make sense? So somebody, I just imagine, this is all I see in my head. I see a grandma, and I just see her just on her knees for years and years, maybe even decades, praying um, for their son or their daughter or grandchildren, and they're praying and they're interceding and they're, they're just doing, they're just praying and praying, and all of a sudden, the Lord goes, I'm going to use you to answer her prayer. And you know what I say? Not today, God, I'm busy. God, I just want to eat my own meal. I don't want to talk to the server. If you won't go for me, who will? Did that make sense? Yeah. 
Some of you might feel guilty now. Good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Tell me to play around. But as I shared that, right, it became very inconvenient for you. Because it starts to pull at you. And there's a situation that you probably are thinking about and you're like, man, I should have done something. Yeah. You were supposed to be inconvenient to that person. Jesus shows at home. 50 to 70 people show up. It says, so in, in this day and age, um, basically you can fit about 50 people in a household. Does that make sense? Like just shove them all in, wall to wall. But it said that they were out the door and you couldn't even get into the door, which means people were willing to stand outside and listen trying to hear Jesus. And he doesn't have a PA system. He's just yelling. Does this make sense? And he's going. And then it says this. Um, and he was preaching the word to them. Um, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Now, um, uh, in, 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 it actually is Mark. Mark chapter 5, um, it comes back and it basically says um, that these four guys are actually friends of the paralytic. And I'm going to share this stuff with you because I just want to be real. Is that okay? Um, don't think that I'm a horrible person. I'm just speaking out loud what you're thinking already. <laughs> So yes, I made maybe Craig. All right, listen. The four friends have a have a friend that's a paralytic, right? If we're real, the paralytic is an inconvenience or is inconvenient to the four friends. A paralytic, it literally means that neck down, they can't use anything. And in this day and age, no wheelchairs, there's nothing. And so that means this. And because it doesn't say family, it says that they're his friends. That means either family is dead or family has outcasted him. Which means that these four friends have to come together in some way, somehow pull together to help their buddy. But he literally can't do anything except talk. And because he can't, all he can do is talk, majority of the time, he has to be a beggar. The problem is, even begging, they have to wake up earlier before their job, go to his house, unless, or he's at a friend's house, grab their friend, take him on a mat, carry him on a mat, place him in the marketplace, prop him up, because he can't sit up on his own, prop him up, put a cup down, so he can yell, please help me, please help me, anything you have, help me. Right? And here's the problem. Not only is he might be an inconvenience uh, to his friends, he's also an inconvenience to the marketplace and to everybody walking by. And you're sitting here saying, how's he an inconvenience? Just imagine what happens when you get off on some of your freeway exits. And there's that guy standing or that woman standing in the corner with the sign that says, help me. And what do you say to yourself? Don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. Why? Because the second you make eye contact, then you feel like you're obligated to do something. But most of us sit back and we say, if we don't make eye contact and we ignore the situation, then it just goes away. Are you guys with me on this one? That becomes very inconvenient for you because it causes trouble, causes difficulties in your life. Are you guys with me on this one? He's an inconvenience there. Then, after work, he's just sitting there. Somebody has to come and get him. Then one of his friends has to come and get him and take him to a house or wherever he's at and they have to help out all day long. Everybody got this? They just, they're, this is their life. This is their job. It just becomes part of it. Everybody with me on this one? Let's just be real. This is an inconvenience to our normal lifestyle. Did that make sense? But they took on that job. 
So there's four friends and a, para, and, and, uh, and a paralytic. Uh, they carried by, by these four men. Verse 4, And when they could not get near Jesus because of the crowd, they uh, removed the roof uh, above him, and when they had made an opening, they let, him down, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Now, check this out. Um, first off, Jesus just gets off this big old tour, right? 70 people show up to his house, let's say, give or take, right? And now he's got to preach to them. I'm sure he's a little tired and that. Then all of a sudden, as he's preaching, the roof of his house gets ripped off. It tells us in the other account, it literally says that the tiles were literally removed from the roof. Imagine coming home from vacation... Your pool is completely full of people, and they just decide, you know what? Let's make more room. Let's knock down the fence. Right? And Jesus is preaching, doing his thing. All of a sudden, rip. Thanks, guys. You know, my first question, probably, I don't know, maybe I'm just weird, but my first question is, who fixed it? <laughs> if you're ripping a hole in the roof, who fixed it? Because Jesus, like, seriously, like, right now, it's just like, you know, you're, you, I'm preaching right now, and then somebody just walks up and, like, jacks one of the speakers. <laughs> what, 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 stop? What are you doing? Like, right? Like, Jesus doesn't skip a beat. He's just like, preaching, 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 rip. Yep, that's normal. Preaching, 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 right? But then it says, now here's the weird part. You got to get this. Talk about inconvenience. I'm taking my buddy. We're going. We're like, yeah, we hear that Jesus is in town. We know that he heals. Let's go to his house. Crud, there's a bunch of people. So their next thought was, let's take the guy that can't move and throw him on the roof. <laughs> Think about this. Let's just throw him on the roof. How do you get him on the roof? Is there a staircase? Do we just walk up? But then it says that they had to remove tiles. So now we know that it's not a flat place because if it was flat, they would have to dig. And now you're digging into my roof. That's messed up. Everybody with me on this one? How do you get them up there? Because now I'm sitting there going, man, I only get like 35 minutes to preach. How long is Jesus preaching? Because if I had me and my buddies and we tried to get a, a, somebody that couldn't move on top of a roof, we have to do like a pulley system or we have to throw them. I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we got to do something to get them up there. How do you do it? Because that's going to take some time. That's like 30, 40 minutes right there. And Jesus is still preaching. Does that make sense? And then i got to rip his roof off. Still takes some time. And then by the time the hole is opened up, and there, I'm saying we're about an hour in, okay? And he's still preaching, and I, which is totally okay with me. And then this is where my morbid mind comes to. He's on the roof. How do we get the paraplegic, like, like how do we get him down there? <laughs> and that was my thought process 20 bucks says they dropped the mat and then him like think about it like they're holding him and they're like he's close enough <laughs> because let's be real come on now I ripped a hole in your roof and now either just one person go through or I ripped a huge hole in your roof and now I got a pulley system to get him down in there does that make sense Either way, he's down there now. Is this not an inconvenience at all? This is so inconvenient. Look at how many people are affected by this. The paralytic, 
who's sitting there going, guys, don't drop me. <laughs> no, uh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> but you have the paralytic that's there who's feeling like he's an inconvenience. He's probably trying to show the guys, it's okay, guys, I love you guys, but man, you know, it's, it's just not my time. And you have the four friends that are trying their best to help their friend. And then you got Jesus who's inconvenienced by everybody else, but he's like, I can't shut this off. I've got to preach the gospel. And as he's preaching the gospel, the roof of his house gets ripped off and this guy gets... In there. I don't know how he gets in, okay? He gets down there. And now Jesus does this. Okay? He says, Man, opening, let down the bed in which barely lay. Verse 5. And when Jesus saw their faith, whose faith did they see? The four guys. He sees the four guys' faith and he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. And he begins to preach again. Time out. <laughs> I didn't drag this dude from wherever I dragged him to around the crowd, on the roof, through the roof, onto there for you just to say your sins are forgiven. You better tell him to walk. <laughs> he doesn't tell him to walk. He says your sins are forgiven and he begins to preach again. And this is where most of us actually get to. Because here's, here's the place where I find most Christianity like, like is today. I want to say lies today. This is, where they, this is where it's at. Ready? The four friends drop down their friend to get healed. He doesn't get healed. Why, does they, why do they want him healed? For his sake or their sake? Think about it. If he's an inconvenience, I want to remove inconvenience from my life, don't I? And if I'm trying to remove inconvenience from my life, then I want the inconvenience to be removed. So any way that I can get it done, I want to get it done. Your car is an inconvenience. You either want A, a new car, or you want it fixed, and you don't want to spend any money. <laughs> True? We try to remove the inconvenience from our life. So I'm wondering, it doesn't ever tell us in the scriptures. It doesn't actually say, maybe they're just really four amazing friends. Uh, but it says this, but when he says your sins are forgiven, I want to know the first thought in their minds. Your sins are forgiven. Is he walking? No, he said his sins are forgiven. <laughs> what? <laughs> Somebody else get down there right now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, honestly, but let's just be real. Isn't that what we do in our lives with God? God, you scratch my back. I'll scratch your back. See, we think we have that switch to turn Christianity on and off. You do this for me, God. I'll do this for you. God doesn't want to make a deal with you. You don't get into a marriage and you don't get into a relationship I'm trying to make a deal with the, with the person you're trying to get into a relationship with. And if you are, something's wrong. <laughs> it's not really a relationship. The best way to explain it is like a dog. You can't make a deal with a dog. You either love the dog and the dog loves you back, or the dog doesn't like you and you get rid of it. <laughs> is that true? You can't make a deal with the dog. You can't sit there and be like, I'm going to give you a biscuit. Yeah, pee there. There you go. These are deals. Like, no. You can train a dog, but you can't make a deal with a dog. And for some reason, we try to make deals with God. Are you guys with me on this one? So I'm wondering, your sins are forgiven. And for some reason, that wasn't good enough. Your sins are forgiven. 
Verse 6, now some of the scribes uh, were there, the other uh, accounts says the Pharisees were there, um, sitting there uh, questioning their hearts, uh, questioning uh, their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but uh, God alone? And immediately Jesus perceiving in his heart that they... Uh, they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Why is one easier than the other? Because one's invisible. Right? Your sins are forgiven. It wasn't like this, like, you know, like, oh, like, you know, something came out of him or anything like that. It was, hey, your sins are forgiven. And he's like, thanks. Now I got a front row seat. He can't move. Your sins are forgiven. Or is it easy to say, rise, take up your mat and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sin. Uh, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and, and glorified God saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. You think? <laughs> I, I, I get into this because I, I want us to get to this place. What was the whole purpose of the man getting up and walking away? What was more important? The more important thing wasn't him walking. The more important thing is that his sins are forgiven. You have access to heaven now. You can start having a relationship with me and you don't need anybody else to help you. It's just you and me, man. Let's go after this. I can't walk. It doesn't matter if you can walk or not. You can still, we can still have a relationship. No, but so that you know who I am. And for the glory of God alone, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he gets up and he walks. And then everybody goes, wow, that was crazy. Right? So then I take it back to you guys today. What does this mean for us? What are we supposed to do? Take it back to where he says this. When he said your sins are forgiven, it said that he perceived in his heart. If you guys caught that line, he said he perceived in his heart that, the, that some guys were asking the question, who, who is this man? It didn't say that they said it out loud. It didn't say that. It said that he perceived in his heart that they were saying these things. So then he, so then he spoke it out loud. Everybody with me on that one? Guess what? That's called a word of knowledge. God talks to you. Does that make sense? He talks to you just like you talk to him. It's not a one-way conversation. That would be like talking to a wall and that's weird. Okay? It's a two-way conversation. The problem is, is sometimes our faith and our, we don't believe enough that God is actually talking to us. There has been situations in your life where you've been standing next to somebody or you saw somebody and you perceived something about them. You're like, man... I feel like their life just isn't going well. And then you think to yourself, man, I'm crazy. I should stop. I have an overactive imagination. Right? And we, and we, and we, we pawn it off as it's not real. I'm one of those crazy people that just goes, I need to find out if this is real or not. And I go around and I ask people, 
random things. Hey, I feel like this. Is, is that true? And they're like, what? How did you know that? And I'm like, hey, Jesus talks to me. I, I'll be honest. I, was, I had this conversation. Me and Justin, uh, we go out to lunch and we hang out. We, we were at this uh, place the other day um, having lunch. We've never been there before. It was our first time. I don't know if we're going back. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know that we're going back. Um, no, uh, but it was, it was awesome. Like, we're hanging out and he's talking to me. I'm talking to him. And one of the server guys, he... Um, he comes walking around the, the corner and all of a sudden the Lord, he gives me this, this thing in my heart where he says, I'm not done with him yet. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, and he goes, I want you to talk with him. And I'm like, okay. And then he starts to give me like insight into this man's life about just like how he went to church and, and he doesn't go anymore and that, and that he feels like I hurt him and all this stuff. And I'm sitting there and I'm listening to God and I'm trying to have a conversation with Justin and Justin like realizes that I'm no longer there, but I'm there. <laughs> so he could have said funny things that I wouldn't have known. Um, but he's just like, he looks at you know, you with me, bro? Sorry, sorry. I'm supposed to go talk to that guy. And he goes, well, go do it. And I go, I go, okay, when he comes back or when we leave, I'll go and do it, right? And uh, sure enough, um, so he, uh, we go to leave and he's behind the counter and obviously he's working. And so I walk up to him and I was like, hey man, can I talk with you for a second? He's like, you know, like his manager, they're all right there, you know? And, uh, and he's like, yeah. And he comes up to the desk and I noticed he had like all these tattoos like all up his neck and everything. And there was this one tattoo where it was all music notes. And I go, hey, can you tell me about that tattoo? And he goes, he goes, yeah, man, he goes, a long time. He goes, a while back, like I used to like compose music and do music. And, uh, you know, but uh, I, I, got, I got my kids now and I just, you know, I got to make sure that they're fed. And so I kind of don't do it anymore. And uh, the Lord was, and, and, and so I was like, oh man, I was like, I have a question for you. Um, I'm one of those weird guys that like thinks that I can hear God. Um, <laughs> that's literally what I said. Um, I, I said, I, can, can I ask you a question? I said, I said, I believe that you actually went to church a long time ago, but you don't go anymore because you believe that God has hurt you. And he goes, y yeah. I was like, oh, perfect. Because now I know that I'm not crazy, right? So I'm like, I was like, awesome. I said, oh, I said, great. I said, here's the next thing. God is actually talking to me and he wants to let you know that he's not done with you yet. You ran away from him, but he never ran away from you. And the music notes you have on your neck, the reason why they can't be hidden is because he put music on your heart. And you need to start doing it again. You just have to start doing it at different times. Because God has put words in your heart and they need to come out. But they need to be done through him, not on your own this time. I got the cashiers listening in. I got the manager listening in. He's sitting there. They all got tears in their eyes and are crying. And I was just like, so I just wanted to let you know that. Are these mints for free? Yay. And I, you know, and I, and I walk away. And then that was it. I like walked away. Like I didn't need to, I don't need validation if I was right or not. I don't need that validation. I don't need to stay and party and hang out. All I know is this. I helped grandma out somewhere who's been praying for him for years. Come on. I helped his mom out who's been praying, maybe his wife or even maybe his kids. Why? Because that's where I get to be. I get to be an inconvenience in somebody's life. Let's just be real. He's working. 
I'm not supposed to talk to him like you. We're not supposed to have this conversation. And I didn't just interrupt his life. I interrupted all of them. I was the biggest inconvenience. There's somebody sitting in line going like this. Are, are, you, are they done yet? I'm hungry. Look, just because we cause trouble or difficulties doesn't mean that it's not the truth in somebody's life. And as long as you have breath, you need to follow Christianity. You need to do what Jesus says. You don't get to turn it off and on when you want. I have no idea what happened with that guy. No clue. But Justin put it in the best way. When we left, he looked at me and he said, right or wrong, that dude's day will never be the same. <laughs> Listen, right or wrong, go change people's days. Because you might just be changing their eternity. We've got to get to a place where we recognize this stuff is not just stories in an old book. It's real. Amen. And if you listen to him, he'll tell you what to do. I want you to go be an inconvenience to this region. Be an inconvenience at your work. Now some of this, I'll be real, we're going to get into some, or some of these accounts later on in the series. But sometimes being an inconvenience... Being inconvenient might cost you something. It cost the disciples their lives. But it was worth it. Because they changed destinies. They changed eternities. We're here today because of their sacrifice. I thank God that they were inconvenient to the world. So I could know his name. And have an eternity with him. Amen? Amen. Let's be inconvenient. Yay. I'm not really good at ending things. So, man, come on up. Um, I want to pray for you guys. And as we, uh, as we transition into this, this worship time, talk with God. Pray with Him. See what He would do with you. See what He would do through you. Ask what, he's supposed, what you're supposed to do with Him. Watch God move. Last... If you're dealing with something in your life, if you're dealing with something, bring it to him right now. Here's the next thing. I'm giving you permission to be inconvenient to your neighbors right now. Inconvenient means this, right? Difficulties causing trouble. You can be as loud as you want during this worship time. If you sound like a dying cow, don't worry about it. Be inconvenient to the person around you. If you need to raise your hands, because you just want to surrender to God, then raise your hands. Don't worry about what anybody else is thinking. It's not about their convenience. It's about your passion and love for your Savior and your Lord. If you need to get on your knees, go ahead and get on your knees. Do what you have to do to be with God in this moment. My last thing I have to share with you, so that way you don't run out of here and just go and be jerks. It's all done in love. It's all done in respect. It's all done because of honor. Nobody's asking you to go and be rude to people. But when you have truth and somebody needs to hear it, you will be an inconvenience. Once again, just because you're inconvenient doesn't mean that you're rude. It doesn't mean that you're disrespectful. It just means truth in their lives is causing difficulty. Does that make sense?
Yeah? So Father, we love you. And I ask that today you would continue to speak to our hearts. And as we worship you and praise you in this moment, God, that God, we would feel your love once again wrap around us. God, thank you for being an inconvenience to the world so that we can know your name. We love you and we praise you.